The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Monday edition of PFTPM. We spent most of the day wondering what we're going to talk about today. Uh, We've got something to talk about. The Russell Wilson situation inching back toward the front burner. She, Shereen Williams, I'm Mike Florio. We're here with you for the next hour to make sense of that. And new feature sparked by the fact that things are a little bit slow, if you haven't noticed. We're going to start looking (laughs) at individual teams, offseason priorities, We're going to do that with some sort of structure for the Jaguars and Jets today. We are letting the worst be first as we work our way down the draft order. Good afternoon, Shireen. Good to see that the temperature has returned to a normal level in Texas. We can only hope that the circumstances get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, sunny 70 degree day, Mike, just like the minus two didn't happen last week. I was just thinking about this time a week ago, we were right in the teens and had people over at our house we had taken in. Man, things change quickly in the weather around here, Mike. Yeah, but there's still power outages and water issues and hopefully all of that gets taken care of and all the damage. I I saw some, some analysis last week of basically what happens to a house that's flooded that can't dry out because it's so cold and the water stays in the walls and it ends up creating a mold problem. And there could be a lot of structures that ultimately have to be gutted, if not raised as a result of this. So hopefully it won't get to that, but uh, good to see that things are back to normal NFL. It never really is normal per se. There's always something going on. And the new normal for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is some degree of dysfunction. I thought that, that they maybe talked and, iron things out. And I poked around a little bit on that late last week. And it, it turned out that just because we hadn't heard anything didn't mean that anything had been solved. There are still issues there. It's a fluid relationship between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. There are now reports that a third of the league has called the Seahawks about the availability of quarterback Russell Wilson. And the belief in league circles is that the starting point is three first round picks. Now, I don't know whether and to what extent the Seahawks are slamming the phone down, whether they are saying things that are causing people to believe the starting point is three first-round picks. And again, that's just the starting point. That's the ante. That's the price to get you to the table. You're going to get squeezed up off of that if you ultimately get Russell Wilson. And, hey, three first-round picks, it all depends upon where the first-round picks are. There's a big difference between pick one and pick 32, Shereen, but... I don't think three first-round picks as a starting point is all that all that uh, ridiculous. The question is, where does it end up? And the question is, are the Seahawks ready to downgrade financially the amount of money that they're investing in the quarterback position and get back to the days when they had a younger guy? It was when they had a younger guy and a cheaper guy that they were in two Super Bowls. You know what the most surprising part of this report is, Mike? 
that only a third of the league has called. What's the rest of the league doing? I mean, come on, make a call. If, if they hang up on the phone on you, they hang up the phone on you. If they say we're not trading him, they say we're not trading him. But why wouldn't you call? Why wouldn't you make an offer to the Seahawks? It's the same thing with Houston. Perhaps they turn you down now, but they come back to you later. I just think you have to make the call. And and there are at least half the teams in the league that should be calling both Houston and Seattle to say, hey, what's it going to take? And frankly, three first-round picks, I, I'm all in. Count me in on that. I'll give you the three-round picks and, and let's go. So if you're the Jets or somebody, I'm, I'm absolutely making that call. Probably even the Jaguars making that phone call uh, to Seattle just to see what it will take. It's crazy, Mike, that, that that's uh, – all it would be, and I think it will end up being more if he is traded. I do think they work things out this year, but I think it possibly, probably, maybe is his last year in Seattle. But Mike Silver in that report made a really good point, Mike, and I hadn't thought about this, but the Seattle situation and the Houston situation is exactly the opposite. In Seattle, it's Russell Wilson that's doing all the talking, and the Seahawks have been silent. In Houston, it's the Texans doing all the talking, and Deshaun Watson has been silent, and you wrote about that saying maybe it's time for Deshaun Watson to come out and say something. Well, and, and I think their circumstances are very different. Russell Wilson has given it time after time and opportunity after opportunity to become the kind of thing that he thinks will help him achieve his personal goals and ambitions of having multiple championships. He's now been there nine seasons. This is a guy who went to the Super Bowl twice in his first three years, 2013-2014, hasn't been beyond the divisional round since then, and I think has gotten exasperated in the way they run the offense, the way they run the team, and he's ready to try it a different way simply so that when he gets to the end of his career, he will have more pelts on the wall than he currently does. He's got to be having a football midlife crisis that is causing him to say, my legacy should be stronger at this point after nine seasons. Deshaun Watson's just getting starting and started and realizing that he's he's caught in a in a mess of dysfunction that is going to prevent him from even getting to a Super Bowl. So he's got a different priority and a different objective altogether. But same thing, quarterbacks in this age of Tom Brady showing them how it's done, realizing that they have power and they're going to use it and they're going to use it in different ways. And you know, you touched on something with the possibility of the Jaguars or the Jets. They have picks that are high enough that that one first-round pick becomes a lot more enticing. If you're the Jaguars and you're offering the number one overall pick, and think back to 2018 when reportedly, and this is something that Chris Sims started a year or two ago and others have glommed onto it, the Seahawks talking to the Browns about the possibility of Wilson to Cleveland three years ago for the number one overall pick. The belief Josh Allen would have been the selection of the Seattle Seahawks. So... If there there are some similarities between Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen, and maybe that would attract the Seahawks if the Jaguars want to do it. The other wild card in that, though, would Russell Wilson want to go to Jacksonville? If it came down to Jacksonville versus New York. Jacksonville versus New York. When you consider his lifestyle, when you consider his spouse, Ciara, New York is going to be preferred to Jacksonville, and that's relevant because Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause. But, again, early first-round picks, far more attractive than later first-round picks. And if the Patriots show up and offer three first-rounders, three first-rounders, that, that's far different than the Jets or the Jaguars who can give a high first-rounder right now at a time when 
the Seahawks could then take that pick and turn it into a quarterback who would be under a wage scale rookie deal for, for five years with much less paid over those five years than what Russell Wilson is currently getting. Yeah, and, and Mike, again, I, I do think they worked this out for at least one year. I think he's back for one year, but it's all stems from the frustration, as you pointed out, of getting to Super Bowls two of his first three seasons. I mean, they haven't won it since 2013, haven't been there since 2014, and they're three and five since then in the postseason. And, and the one and done this year really stands out, and I know there's a bunch of frustration from that because – yeah, midseason, we're talking about this team being the best in the NFL. We're talking about Russell Wilson being an MVP candidate, not only an MVP candidate, but the leading candidate at, at midseason. And it all went south those last eight games, last half of the season, somewhere in there, and then the one and done in the postseason. So a lot of frustration right now from Russell Wilson, and I'm sure from the Seahawks organization, too, with the way the season went. They didn't expect it to end like it did. It did. It ended far too soon in their minds. Should not have lost to the Rams in the first playoff game. And now here they sit trying to figure out how to make this a better team going forward. And, and Russell Wilson's got to be a part of that, Mike, to give you a chance to go do what you think you have the team to do. Now, they, they do need some upgrades, especially on defense and in the offensive line, as he's pointed out. But they have the core right there, Mike, to go back to the Super Bowl, to be one of the contenders in the NFC. One of the other things to keep in mind, a trade that would be accomplished before June 1 would result in $39 million in dead cap money hitting Seattle's salary cap this year. A trade would have to be post-June 2nd, and I think the way to do it, especially because now we see so many deals that are done before they're officially done, you work out the deal now or whenever between now and June 2nd. Everyone knows the paperwork goes through on June 2nd, and until then, Russell Wilson gets together with his new teammates, receivers, running backs, tight ends, and they work on their own, which which may be the only thing that we would see this year anyway because of the pandemic and the likelihood of a limited offseason program. So waiting until June 2 in any other year would have been inconceivable for a quarterback trade because you want the guy in the door ASAFP. Now, with the pandemic and given this this shift away from intense offseason workout programs. If you got to wait until June 2, you got to wait until June 2. And 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 look, if that's part of the price of admission, you got to show up with three first round picks and you got to wait until June 2. Teams are going to show up with three first round picks and an engraved statement that yes, they will wait until June 2 to get the deal done and they won't renege on the deal because that would be a major problem for everyone involved as well. It would be a problem for the team doing the deal to get Russell Wilson because other opportunities would go out the window between whenever and June 2. So I'm not ready to rule it out completely. I think that at some point, Shireen, this reaches critical mass where it becomes spoken into existence. And if more teams keep calling, and if the Seahawks engage at all and they start to realize, you know what, we may be better off long term. We're just a couple of years away from another renegotiation. And Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson's agent, is going to want market value money. Do we really want to give $45 million plus to Russell Wilson? Do we really want to do another four-year extension? Do we really want to deal again with this guy who has one football client who can drive the hardest possible bargain with us without worrying about how it may affect any of his other clients. That's one of the benefits of having a one-client agent. That may be something the Seahawks are happy to move on from. So the more that gets put on the table in front of them, 
I think the more likely they just decide to be done with it now. And, and the other reality of this, too, is who's calling the shots here? Someone suggested me last week that, that the Seahawks are one of the closest things we have other than the Packers to corporate ownership, that it's Vulcan that's really running that show, and Pete Carroll's got a lot of authority, but it's not really Jody Allen, Paul Allen's sister, acting like a normal owner. So that that makes it complicated from the standpoint of who ultimately flips the switch from no to yes. Who's got that authority? Who's got that power? It's kind of confusing right now in Seattle as to who the one person is that can say, yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to take the maximum offer we can, and we're going to start this process of trying to come up with the best possible offer three first rounders plus whatever so we still don't know who that person is in a normal team you know who it is it's the owner with this team we don't know and that's just another dynamic that makes this even more fascinating yeah and mike if i'm the jets or the dolphins or the jaguars those teams we talked about that have have those high picks i'm definitely making that call to see what it would take are they listening Hey, if you start listing, we're on this, but I would make an offer. I would try to make an offer they can't refuse. I just think you take the sure thing over even a Trevor Lawrence, who looks like the best quarterback prospect probably since Andrew Luck. But we don't know. We haven't seen a ton of these number one overall picks come out and do what we expected them to do. So why not take the guy who already is the franchise quarterback, who is headed toward the Hall of Fame, instead of taking a risk and rolling the dice on a guy in the draft or whatever. There's just so many teams right now that are looking for quarterbacks. I just think you have to make calls to both teams to see what it takes. And yes, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a long time. You have to figure out how you can build a team with probably not a lot of first round draft picks, kind of what the Rams have done, frankly, over the years in building their team is not having those first round draft picks and not having a lot of draft picks to build the team around. You're going to have to draft really well on the lower rounds. So you have to figure out how to put a, a team around him. But if you need a franchise quarterback, and we know more than half the teams in this league do, they're looking to upgrade, even teams like San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think you make that call, Mike. But see, that's the philosophical question. What does a team value more? The sure thing or all the other lottery tickets you can trade for the sure thing? And and the question becomes, if someone makes an offer to the Seahawks, whatever it is, whatever the offer is that they can't refuse, and then they look at it and they say, well, wait a minute, if that team is willing to give us all that stuff for Russell Wilson, maybe we got something here. We're like, why do they want him that badly? Why are they willing to give up all this stuff? Maybe we should just keep him. And then the offer that they can't refuse has to go even higher. And, and it all comes down to how you value the sure thing, how you value the guy who's been in the league for nine years and proven he can do it versus how you value your ability to take those picks and turn them into mini jackpots that collectively are worth more or at least as much as that sure thing. So again, it comes down to how you approach these things philosophically. You need a team that is willing to give up a lot of stuff from a draft capital standpoint for the sure thing. And you need a team that is willing to trade in the sure thing with the confidence slash hubris that they can take those draft picks and completely revitalize a team. It's not, it's not going to be easy to do. It's not going to be easy to do, and in some respects it may be harder to pull it off with the Seahawks than with the Texans because it's not like Russell Wilson is going to refuse to show up if he doesn't get traded. 
And it's easier for the Seahawks to say, no, we'll give it one more year. We'll continue to keep Russell Wilson on the roster for one more season and see if through the process of 2021 with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator, maybe we can find a way to make this guy want to renew his vows and stay with the Seahawks indefinitely. But at this point, feels like an uphill climb for the Seattle Seahawks to make Russell Wilson happy, assuming they try to do so in 2021. One thing they could do is trade Russell Wilson and sign Cam Newton, who, as he was reminded over the weekend by a kid at a football camp that he was either producing or participating in, you're a free agent. You're a free agent. You're a free agent. He's a free agent. He could go to Seattle. And you know what? He's done well against the Seahawks in the past. He could stay with New England. He can go anywhere. He he did a podcast recently. I think it's the I Am Athlete podcast. Said a lot of things that we've posted plenty of different stories about. We appreciate the content during a slow time. He says there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than him. And he's right. He's absolutely right. That, that That's indisputable. The question is, who out there is going to say Cam Newton is going to be our starter for 2021 and beyond. That's the question. Who's ready to pull that trigger, Shireen? And somebody is, Mike. Somebody who doesn't end up with one of these lottery tickets as a franchise quarterback is going to pull that string. And I I just went through real quick in my head. I had him somewhere around maybe 22nd. You know, there I do think there are some backups in the NFL. I think at this point we would consider – uh, Minshew and Dalton and Fitzpatrick as backups. I know Fitzpatrick probably goes and gets a starting job this year, but they were, we would consider them backups, I think. Um, and, and those three, I would say, are probably better than Cam Newton. Is Trubisky better than Cam Newton? I don't know. You start getting those kind of things. But, you know, they do in the stats, they do rankings of, of attempts, completions, touchdowns, yards, all those things. And across the board, he ranked from anywhere from 18th the 34th of course touchdowns was 34th below some starting quarterbacks in the NFL and so I put him somewhere in that range but somebody's going to end up with him and and we know that passing wasn't his entire game Mike he was probably better as a runner this year 592 yards and 12 touchdowns heck he even caught a touchdown pass so I agree I think he's going to end up somewhere I think he's going to end up starting somewhat somewhere whether that's a return to New England or somewhere else Mike he admitted in this podcast that having COVID-19 affected him. I remember when he was asked by reporters after coming back from COVID-19 whether or not he had brain fog. He denied it, but I think the Patriots at some level believed that something was different, and we still don't fully understand how that disease works. We don't understand what kind of impact it has. He started the season well and then had that surprise COVID-19 diagnosis and never really did seem to be completely the same. First year in New England, complicated new offense, not a lot of time to get ready for it, and I think there is potential there for him to be a very productive starter in the right offense with the right team, whether that's back to New England. And it's already been reported as a given that he's not going to go back to New England. He sure sounds like he's willing to go back to New England, and that may be the best opportunity for both sides. But I think there's still plenty of gas in the tank. He was drafted less than 10 years ago. It was April 2011 when he entered the NFL as the first overall pick in the draft. And I really do think that that he is better than some of the guys we've been talking about as starters for 2021. He made $3.7 million last year with the New England Patriots. That's good money if you can get it wherever you get it. But for starting quarterback, 
purposes. It's not very good money, and it shows that the Patriots got a hell of a value, and it may be the part of what Cam Newton is trying to do this year, Shireen, is make back some of the money that he thinks he should have earned in 2020. Yeah, and he may not see that, Mike. And that may be the value of signing Cam Newton, frankly, is you can get him for less than you would get another starting quarterback. If you don't end up having a high draft pick and getting a quarterback, if you don't end up with Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or whatever move you try to make, Cam Newton may be the best option for you because he's not going to cost or shouldn't cost a ton of money to sign, just like he didn't for New England. You put a lot of incentives in there and let him come – Show you, and you know, we've talked a lot, even in in Brady's final few years, about the weapons that the Patriots had around Tom Brady, and the weapons that they had around Cam Newton were not that great. Maybe he goes somewhere else, and maybe he's a better passer in those places. And I do think COVID played a part in the season he had. I also think Mike that not having a full off season played a part in the season he had. You know, he didn't sign until July. And even if he had signed before that, they didn't have the on-field work that they normally would have had and probably won't have it again this year. I get that. But I do think that played a part in the season that he had. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And one of the ideas that I have for tomorrow's PFT Live, and we have more time to let this breathe, basically go through all 32 teams. Would you rather have your current starter or Cam Newton? For some of them, it's going to be obvious. You're going to want Patrick Mahomes. You're going to want Lamar Jackson. You're going to want Josh Allen. But then at some point, you're going to start saying, I really got to think this through a little bit. Maybe I would rather have Cam Newton. Frankly, one of the first teams that came to mind for me is the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff. All due respect, I think I'd rather have Cam Newton at this point than Jared Goff. All right, uh, one last thing. Let's go ahead and play the video of the kid who playing it. Look, people have tried to read so much into this, some deeper commentary on the effect of social media on society. This is classic example of kids showing off for his friends. Here's what happened to Cam Newton over the weekend at a football camp. You asked. You're free agent. You're free agent. Rich. You're free agent. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're free agent. I'm rich. He's a free agent. I'm rich. He's a free agent. Let me talk to your daddy. Let me talk to your dad. Let me talk to your dad. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. Nah, nah, ain't no disrespect. You know, if you want some attention, I'm gonna give you some attention. The right way, bro. The right way. When do y'all play? What was your record today there? One and two. No, two and two and one. Two and one. What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't able to see because y'all was two. Cameras on me. All right, bro. On me all what time. did he do, man? Does he play? He got speed. He got speed. No, he's playing. He's speed. Yeah. Oh. Huh? You're going to see. Nah, you don't act shy. You're nah, bro. Don't <laughs> act shy. I'm not sitting right here. I'm not sitting right here. I can see today. You're going to watch YouTube. Oh, you watch YouTube? I know you do. You can't watch your shots, man. No, stop, stop, stop. What you do? No, I'm really trying to ask you. Like, I'm trying to see like, what you do. What we do that though. I'm like. You rep that 215. 205? The young man who gave Cam a hard time subsequently apologized. But look, I, I've been there. I remember being a kid. I remember being the one who took advantage of the anonymity of a crowd to be the smartass. I remember one time doing it from the back seat of a car. And I remember somebody coming over and dragging somebody out of the front seat and beating the crap out of them and thinking, I've learned my lesson. I'm keeping my mouth shut going forward. True story. Night before I went to college, 
scarred me. Here we are 37 years later, and I still remember it. It was my smart ass and somebody else who got his ass beat. But but that that's what happens. You get among your friends, and you decide you're going to be the one who pops off to impress them. That's exactly what that kid was doing. And I loved how Cam initially was apoplectic. Like, I can't believe I'm actually witnessing this. And then he realized, this kid's being disrespectful. Where's your dad? Where's your parents? They need to understand yeah. that their child is being disrespectful to an adult. Yeah, and it was a seven-on-seven seven tournament, uh, Mike, and the kid was from Pennsylvania. He did apologize, as you said. It reminded me a lot, frankly, and I went back and watched it, of that 2012 Play 60 commercial when the kid is winding up his arm and he said, "Can I, you know, I'm, can I start for the Patri- uh, for the Panthers? Replace you? You can be my backup. I'll be the number one overall pick. I'll be your mom's favorite player." And it was funny then, but maybe not so funny now. But I thought Cam handled it great. NFL players have jumped in and supported Cam and the way he handled this situation. And frankly, he. I, Kudos to, to Cam for giving up his time and everything else to, to go work with these kids. I think it's fantastic. And you know what? A lot of those kids probably pick Cam Newton's brain for what it takes to get where he is, how to become an NFL MVP, and good for them that they learned something from Cam Newton. And, and congratulations to him for helping out these kids. Didn't the kid from that commercial end up being Kyle Allen? Didn't I read that at some point? I thought that was what happened. <laughs> was it? No. Yeah, no, no. But, but anyway, Cam Newton showed restraint, and he showed the reaction that, that a normal adult would have. I can't believe that some smart Alec kid is doing exactly the same kind of thing that I would have been inclined to do when I was that age. It's normal behavior. It isn't some sign that society is collapsing. Trust me, there's plenty of other evidence that society is collapsing. That's not one piece of it. Let's take a break. When we return, the Jaguars have collapsed all the way to the first overall pick in the draft. We'll talk about what they need to do this offseason when PFTPM continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 
We're going to do two teams per day, starting with the worst of the worst and working our way all the way down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when we wrap it up. Chiefs-Bucks, I assume, will be the last day. First day, clearly, Jaguars-Jets, the teams that got the first two picks in the draft the old-fashioned way. They earned it with with poor play. The Jaguars, uh, they are in position to draft Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick, and Shereen... Same conversation we had about Russell Wilson. What is your philosophical preference? The guy who you hope will be a sure thing or all the other lottery tickets you could get for him? And the example that I always share now, last year, if the Bengals had said yes to the Dolphins and moved down to number five, they could have taken Justin Herbert and a bunch of other stuff, and they'd be in better shape right now, setting aside the torn ACL for Joe Burrow. They'd be in better shape right now with Justin Herbert plus xyz on top of whatever the dolphins were offering that's what the jaguars need to ask themselves are we sufficiently convinced that trevor lawrence is a sure thing that we're going to say no to all offers that would allow us to get a lower first round pick address our quarterback needs and still get more stuff that's that's the question will they say yes or will they say no to whatever offer someone inevitably makes. And I'm convinced someone will. And I think it'll be the Panthers. If they don't get to Sean Watson, I think they move on to Trevor Lawrence and they try to get the Jaguars to slide down to eight and let Carolina move up to number one. I think first, Mike, it depends on how you feel about those other quarterbacks. I do think that this guy is the the, the most blue-chip quarterback we've seen probably since Andrew Luck. But when you look at the the recent history of the NFL, the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now were not top five picks. They weren't. And, and you go check it out. They, they weren't top five picks. So if you like one of those other guys, I can absolutely see the Jaguars listen to an offer getting a buku of draft picks, which they need. I looked at this roster, and I'm just like, wow, how many of these players do you build around? And there just aren't very many. Now, they've got a ton of cap space. We know the most cap space in the NFL, whatever it is, they're going to have a ton of cap space to go help themselves in free agency, pick out the right free agency and your free agents, and you're definitely going to be better next year. But the draft is key, too, and the more picks you have, the more chances you have. They have a ton of picks now. But I still think, Mike, if you like one of those other guys almost as well as you like Trevor Lawrence, you have to at least listen. You have to at least consider it. You can't just pick up the phone and say no. There's the football side of it, too, and then there's the business side of it. And obviously the hiring of Urban Meyer tells me that Shad Khan, the owner of the team, is currently in the sizzle and splash business. So from that perspective, none of the other guys is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the guy who's going to be the draw. Now, there's two ways to look at it. You can say... We already have the sizzle with Urban Meyer. We can go football and not business decision with the quarterback. Or you say, we're all in with these business decisions that will fill stadiums. We'll worry about whether or not we're any good later. We got Urban Meyer. We got Trevor Lawrence. And people are going to want to flock to watch us play in Jacksonville and in London. So, look, owners try to act like they're not involved in these picks. They're involved in these picks. They're involved. They, 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 they are involved. And Shad Khan may have already decided, no way, no how are we giving up Trevor Lawrence. Whatever someone offers us, we will say no. And my guess is, same way the Bengals did it last year, I think the Jaguars do it this year. They want to give it a try with the first overall pick. They want to see what Trevor Lawrence can do. Pair him up with Urban Meyer. If it doesn't work, you know what? Be in position to do it again before too long. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. And and I agree with you. I mean, the key this year, frankly, is filling stadiums. Jaguars were second in the NFL this year to the Cowboys 
in attendance. They will fill up that stadium if they're allowed to fill up that stadium, which, you know, you had the report today, I think, that the NFL plans for full stadiums or thinks they're going to have them by September. That's great news for all these teams, particularly for the Jaguars, who have not had that in recent seasons. They've had a lot of empty seats. They're going to fill up that stadium with people wanting to come watch Trevor Lawrence and see Urban Meyer thinking that he can build a winner in the NFL just like he did at the University of the Florida just down the street from where Jacksonville is. They think he can do that again in, in Jacksonville, Mike. The asterisk on all of that is the political climate where a stadium is located. Places like New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, California may take a little more time. But Florida and Texas, it's going to be open the turnstiles and let everybody come in by the time we get to September, especially given where people think the pandemic will be. If folks get the vaccine, if folks continue to be smart about wearing masks, we could be at a point where a lot of this is behind us by then. And wouldn't that be great if it happens? All right, let's play a little game here with... uh, One in and one out. We're each going to pick a guy that we think will join the team and a guy that we think will leave the team, or at least someone we would add and someone we'd get rid of. No Trevor Lawrence for this, though. What Trevor Lawrence has set aside. But uh, other than that, Shereen, give me somebody that you think will be part of this Jaguars team who currently isn't, either via free agency or the draft. I think it's Leonard Williams. I mean, you look at that defense. They were 31st in total defense. They were 30th against the run. They need a guy like Leonard Williams. And when you look at the defensive lineman, he's at the top of that list, that free agent list. They need him. They need big upgrades there. He and Josh Allen would, would pair well together. It's a significant need, need for them. He had the best season of his career this year with 11 and a half sacks. He had 30 quarterback hits and 14 tackles for loss. I just think he would be a huge help uh, for Jacksonville, they have the most money, $79.6 million to go spend based on a $180.5 million cap. Maybe it goes up a little bit from there, but they have plenty of money. They can go get who they want to get. If the Giants don't franchise this guy, Mike, I think they're going to make every effort to sign Leonard Williams. I'm going to immediately break the rule that I just set by saying someone who will be added via free agency or the draft. I'm going to say Michael Thomas, a trade with the New Orleans Saints, the Saints unloading some cap space and moving on from Michael Thomas, maybe even after June, too. Again, it doesn't matter much to the new team since there won't be the same offseason program, but you bring in a potent weapon for Trevor Lawrence. You reunite Michael Thomas with Urban Meyer. And that's been something I've had a feeling about. Not that I know anything about it. I never know anything. Life is easier that way. But ever since Urban Meyer took that job, I thought, you know what? The Saints are, it kind of feels like they're at the end of their rope with Michael Thomas would be a perfect opportunity to trade Thomas to to the Jaguars and put him back together with Urban Meyer, Shereen. Yeah, no doubt about it, Mike. I think that would be a great move for them. They need to upgrade at the receiver position. That'd be perfect. Perfect. And with the receivers they have on their roster, they have a lot of twos. I got to be clear on this. This is just a throw the dart. This is not (laughs) not a report. And we're not going to try to turn it. This is not a a bold prediction. This is not three first-rounders plus Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. This is just a flat-out, wild, crazy guess and nothing more. I promise you. All right. Give me somebody who's going to be gone. Well, the problem is I don't think the Jaguars are going to make any cuts, Mike. They don't need to. There's no need to. They don't have a ton of players who who have bad contracts now. They've gotten rid of most of those. So the one guy you look at that's a free agent that you think, well, they could possibly re-sign is Cam Robinson. But I'm going to say Cam Robinson walks out the door. 
you know, they picked him in the second round in 2017. He's been basically their starting left tackle ever since then. He did have the ACL injury in 2018, so he didn't play much that season. But basically their starting left tackle started 47 of, of 64 regular season games. I think they'll go out and find an upgrade on Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson should make quite a bit of money in free agency. There's better guys out there for them to go up and upgrade. And whether that's in the draft, doing it that way, or in free agency, going and getting, say, a, you know, a Trent Williams or somebody like that, that, that's probably better than Cam Robinson. I think they need to do that, Mike. So I see Cam Robinson leaving in free agency. I don't think the Jaguars will make an offer for him. If they're going to cut anybody, they need to cut tight end Tyler Eifert. They'll free up three, four million in cap space yeah. that way. Another guy they need to move on from, and I think they could find some sort of a trade market out there for him. I, I think it's important to move on from Gardner Minshew. That that ship has sailed, and yeah. it's not like he's going to be a veteran presence that tremendously helps Trevor Lawrence. And he, you know, I, I like Gardner Minshew's fire. I like his spirit. I don't know that that fits with what the Jaguars are going to be looking for in a backup quarterback. There's two kinds of backup quarterbacks you can have. The guy who's who thinks he's the starter and is trying to compete to be the starter or the guy who knows his place is number two and is doing everything he can to support the starter. I don't think Minshew is suited for that role, and I think that's what the Jaguars need. So off with Gardner Minshew, maybe get some real value for him, get more than the sixth-round pick than you gave up to get him, and and have a veteran there to be the backup to Trevor Lawrence and help him learn the ropes at the NFL level. Let's take a break and when we return, we'll do the same thing for the New York Jets who hold the second overall pick in the first round of this year's draft. We'll do that right after this. Monday edition of PFTPM, let's do for the Jets what we just did with the Jaguars. The Jets with the second overall pick in the draft. They may or may not take a quarterback. There was a report today, and it makes a lot of sense. They're not going to do anything with Sam Darnold, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Media, until they evaluate all of the options available to them in the draft. They're going to have the control of the board after Trevor Lawrence. You take Trevor Lawrence off the board they're running the show. They can decide whatever they want to do. Zach Wilson, if that's a guy you want, fine. Trade down a little bit and take somebody else. You can do that too. But they need to evaluate all of these quarterbacks to the point where they understand who they are and what they can do to the same level where they understand what Sam Darnold is and what he can do. And it's just it's just sensible to do that. But what it tells me is if they decide to go with a quarterback – at the top of round one, Darnold will be gone. They're not going to try to work out some year or, and it would be one year, not two, where you keep Darnold at the fourth year of his rookie contract as the third overall pick in 2018, plus the second overall picks rookie contract in 2021. The, 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 the town isn't big enough for both guys. And if they, they pick a quarterback, it looks like Darnold will be gone, Shereen. Yeah, and Mike, let's not preclude a trade either there. We, you know, if, if the Texans oh, finally pull the trigger on Deshaun Watson, I, I would expect him to be on that too. I don't expect Sam Darnold to be a part of this team next season. I, I really don't. I, I think they'll go a different direction at quarterback, but I do think it's smart, and I think it's common sense that you look at him, you look at every play he had on the field, you look at the people around him, how much was him, how much was the people around him not having all that much talent around him? 
And what do you have in the draft? Do you like any of those guys better? So there's a lot to evaluate here for the Jets moving forward, Mike, before they decide who's going to be their quarterback in 2021. And this is the easy way to look at it. Franchise quarterbacks declare themselves fairly early, regardless of who's around them, regardless of who the coach is, regardless of who the players are. A franchise quarterback is know it when you see it fairly quickly in his time in the NFL. They have a way of popping. Sam Darnold has not popped. When the most memorable quote from Sam Darnold is he was seeing ghosts during a Monday night game against the Patriots in 2019, that is not know it when you see it franchise quarterback. And the Jets want that kind of clear and obvious franchise quarterback. And I think we've seen enough from Sam Darnold to know that's not what he's going to be. Could he be a very good starter in the NFL? Yes. Could he be a guy who takes a team to a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Could he win a Super Bowl? Yes, depending upon what's around him. But this is not a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen level, all three guys taken the same year that Darnold was taken, by the way. This is not the kind of guy that is an obvious franchise quarterback. And through three years with Sam Darnold, we should have seen it by now if it was ever going to be there. And I think it's safe to say it's it's just not going to be there. Watch, he'll be the MVP this year for some other team. <laughs> well, and it's just what you said, Mike. We talk about the sizzle. No Jets fan is going to be excited about having Sam Darnold return as their quarterback. Nobody's going to be excited by that. So you, if you get another quarterback in there, whether it's via trade or the draft, I think Jets fans do get excited. They, they see the future differently. Maybe they do than they do with Sam Darnold returning as their quarterback, Mike. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that that uh, he won't be there. I agree with you. The question is, will it be a rookie or will they get in on one of these other trades, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, when you consider that they hold the second overall pick and another first-round pick, the Seahawks' first-round pick, and next year they have two first-round picks on top of it, they have the ammunition to be the team that can get the attention of either the Seahawks or the Texans if those teams decide to make a move with the quarterbacks that they have. All right, let's do the same thing that we did for the Jaguars. One guy in, one guy out. Shereen, give me somebody who's out there that you think could end up being a member of the New York Jets with Joe Douglas as GM and Robert Sala as head coach. Well, Mike, Richard Sherman makes a ton of sense, right? Because of his leadership standpoint and his relationship with Robert Sala. He can preach what Sala wants him to preach uh, with that team and, and bring some leadership qualities to a defense that was terrible last year, 24th in defense, 25th against a pass. I know there's better cornerbacks probably out there on the free agent market, but he just makes a ton of sense with his experience in the system, in the Sala system, his experience with Sala. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, he, he can still play, Mike. And, and I just think from a leadership quality, he just makes a ton of sense uh, for the Jets at this point. Assuming they have a good relationship, we are assuming they have a good relationship. Maybe they don't, we don't know about it. But assuming they have a good relationship, it just makes too much sense. Yeah, I'm not going to go full freezing cold takes here and say there's no way the Jets will sign Richard Sherman. But I will say this, it is a situation to monitor very carefully as it relates to the question of whether the Jets even get in on the action because I've heard time and again the 49ers had enough of Richard Sherman. He's not good enough at this point in his career to be as big of a personality on the team as he is and that Robert Sala is not likely 
to want Richard Sherman at this stage of his career in his locker room influencing younger players in large part because Sherman isn't good enough to justify putting up with the baggage that comes from having an outspoken guy who's going to naturally lead and this may not be the guy that Robert Sala wants his young players to follow. So, I'm, again, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying it's going to be a fascinating litmus test as to whether or not there is interest. And if Robert Sala and the Jets aren't at the front of the line for Richard Sherman, I think any other team no doubt. should be saying, mm, may, mm, maybe there's a reason Robert Sala is not at the front of the line for Richard Sherman. Uh, I've got a couple of different ones, but pass rush, I think, is so important for this team. Kerry Hyder has been great for the 49ers during the the injury replacement rush of this past year. Should be gotten fairly inexpensively for the Jets. I think Kerry Hyder makes sense. If they want to go a little more expensive, make a run at Yannick Ngakwe. But one thing we saw when that 49ers defense is working well, what does it have? It has pass rushers off the edge, and I think that's what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala need to target. Give me somebody who's going to be out. Well, I I think the obvious candidate, and I'll be really surprised if he's back on this roster, is Henry Anderson. He was a terrible signing. He's got a a ton. He's got a bad contract. He's way overpaid, $9.5 million if they keep him, Mike. If they move on from him, they can save $8.2 million. It just makes a ton of sense. I mean, he just hasn't been good for them, a bad signing. Now he's overpaid. you got to get rid of this guy and move on and upgrade your pass rush elsewhere. You know, another guy that that I think uh, needs to be on the radar screen, although they don't have a lot of receivers, when you've got Jamison Crowder with a $10.375 million cap figure for 2020, there's already been some reports that he may get whacked. It, it just it won't surprise me, but you got to have other plans at receiver. And, you know, are you going to turn around and spend that money on Juju Smith-Schuster? Are you going to go after Chris Godwin? I mean, they need guys at the receiver position, especially if they're going to try to upgrade a quarterback, one of the reasons Sam Darnold maybe hasn't been as good as he needs to be is he hasn't had a great array of weapons around him. But uh, I, I would not be surprised if the $10.375 million earmarked for a Crowder ends up going to some other receiver that they make a run at, Shereen, in free agency. Yeah, I had Chris Godwin, Mike, and I just think it's going to be hard for the Buccaneers to franchise either one of those guys, Shaq Barrett or Chris Godwin. And we know they're going to lose some players, despite what they've said. It sounds great that they're going to take that hometown discount and come back and try to win a second consecutive Super Bowl. We know the realities of this. It's all about money, Mike. Those guys are going to get more money elsewhere. So Chris Godwin is one I think probably won't be franchise tagged and probably will go elsewhere. And the Jets should be in on him. You know, Shaq Barrett is a guy that they much more desperately need to keep in Tampa Bay because of what he brings to the pass rush. And I don't want to minimize the skills of Chris Goblin, but the reality is you bump Antonio Brown up on the depth chart. You've got Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, and the Buccaneers will be in position as other teams shed veteran free agents if receivers are cut, when receivers are cut. That's when the Tom Brady factor kicks in, and that's when you can get somebody potentially to come take very little to be on the depth chart and to be catching passes from Tom Brady, whoever it may be. And there will be plenty of recognizable names that are available on the open market. And Chris Godwin is going to be in a position where he attracts so much money. I don't expect him to say no. Why should he say no? But the Buccaneers aren't going to match whatever's out there. And you only got one franchise tag to use. And if you're going to use it, you use it on Shaq Barrett. Now, what they could try to do is a long-term deal with Shaq Barrett before the two 
week window for applying the franchise tag expires two weeks from tomorrow and then put it on Chris Goblin. But, but yeah, there's only so many cap dollars, especially this year. It's not going to be easy to do. So th there will be young receivers on the front end of their prime available for the Jets if they're ready to pay. And that's the question. How much money are they going to budget, Shireen, for a guy like a Chris Godwin or a Juju Smith-Schuster? You think about the offense that Michael LaFleur comes from in San Francisco and how, how hard-nosed the receivers are and how they have him involved in the running game like a Debo Samuel. I could see Juju Smith-Schuster in that role. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Mike. And, and I also think they need more, obviously, from Denzel Mims. I mean, they spent the second-round pick on him last year. They've got to see more injuries. Another thing, he had two hamstring injuries. That really set him back. Didn't play a ton of games. But he did have a five-game stretch there, Mike, when he had six catches of 20-plus yards. He's shown big catch ability. I think you'll see more out of this guy next year, too. All right, let's take a break. When we return, it is an important anniversary in the world of sports. 41 years ago today, we will do what we can to make it relevant to the NFL. When BFTPM continues right after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. 41 years ago today, the United States hockey team beat the Russians in the Olympics. Semi-final round, shot heard around the world on tape delay. That's what was so weird about it. Words started to circulate, started to trickle through towns and communities throughout the country that we had beaten the Soviet Union and no one believed it and everyone had to tune in to watch it to make sure they weren't hearing fake news 40 years before fake news was fake news, Shireen. I remember exactly where I was when I heard about it. I didn't believe it until I saw it myself. And yes, it did happen. So, well, let me, let me, before we get to that, What's your one big memory about the uh, the miracle on ice from 41 years ago today? Yeah, I mean, it's excitement, Mike, and it was the same thing. Like, you didn't believe it. And I think, right, the, the next, the gold medal game, I don't think was on TV. I remember listening to, to one of the games on the radio, and I think it, it might have been the gold medal game. Is that right? 
I remember the gold medal game on a Sunday morning against Finland, I think. And I remember being nervous that TV? they were going to blow it after. I, th I think it was, and I think it was live, but it, but who the hell knows? It was 41 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I have I have a hard enough time remembering what I did 41 hours ago. But uh, but I remember being with my friends and somebody heard that, that the U.S. had beaten the Soviet Union. We were all like, oh, come on, please. And uh, we watched it, and yeah. yep, that's exactly what happened. So... What's the greatest NFL equivalent to the Miracle on Ice? I'll give you the first pick. We'll get through as many as we can. Well, Mike, I'm going to start with, with the Super Bowl uh, from 2007 because that was probably, the, frankly, the greatest team in NFL history, the New England Patriots. I, I, just, I, I just think they were, they were awesome. And to go 16-0 like they did and to blow it in the Super Bowl, you know, they were 12-point favorites in that game, Mike. And, and to see them lose was something else. And, you know, you had the Di David Tyree catch there at the end on third down that really saved the day, and, and the Giants ended up winning that game. So I'm going to rank that as number one because I, I never expected that to happen, and I don't think anybody did. And I'm going to go Super Bowl, but I'm going to go all the way back to Super Bowl three, Jets-Colts, and it really compares yeah. to the miracle on ice in that, the, you know, it, it wasn't a close finish. It was just kind of anticlimactic as you run out the clock and you can't really believe it's happening. And the Jets just outmuscled the Baltimore Colts all day long. And the Jets were huge underdogs. That had the extra flavor of Joe Namath guaranteeing the win, something that was unheard of at the time. But I remember when the Miracle on Ice happened, I remember thinking, well, that must be like what it was for Super Bowl three. although I was too young to remember Super Bowl three, That was how I related to it. That was the only other big, memorable, miraculous upset in my lifetime. So that's the one that comes to mind for me the first. Yeah, I agree with that, Mike. And I would go with the Immaculate Reception. And I remember this one, 1972. And, you know, Steelers' ownership had given up. They're in the elevator going down and missed the whole play and missed the comeback. And they hear the crowd roar when they get off the elevator and realize that the Steelers have won the game. And I think that was voted number one on the 100th anniversary team. I think that was the number one uh, play in, in NFL history. And, and you know why. It was a fantastic game. And, and the Steelers beat the Raiders yet again. Raiders probably would have been the, the team of the uh, decade if they didn't have to go through the Steelers the whole time, Mike. And that was the game. And I've got this whole long thing I do setting it up uh, for how things worked that day with the blackout rule. And there was only one house in the neighborhood that actually got that game on TV. And it was our house and my mother, who never let anyone on the carpet or on the furniture, let a bunch of grownups in the house. And I was seven-year-old playing with Hot Wheels. And, and that was the moment that I realized this – pro football thing is a pretty big deal because I saw how excited it made the grown-ups when Franco Harris caught that ball and ran it in for a touchdown. That's when I discovered the NFL. So that that clearly is one of the huge moments. There are some moments from the NFL that have miracle in the name, may, mainly because of alliteration. Yeah. The Minneapolis miracle, that's the most recent one. That That isn't like the miracle on ice. It was just more like snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. But between that, the Music City miracle – the Miami Miracle, which was just a stupid regular season game with Rob Gronkowski playing safety. But, you know, there are some miracle finishes that really don't compare to that same vibe as what we saw with the U.S. hockey team 41 years ago. Well, you know which one I have to set up, Mike, and it, it's similar to your story of the Steelers it was 1975. We're at my grandmother's oh, house. God. We call her Mamaw. And we're at Memo's house, and my, my cousin said, Shireen, it's over. And I said, no, it's not over. They have Roger Staubach. And about that time, 
he fired the pass to Drew Pearson, and as you're going to say, he pushed off a Nate Wright, and Cowboys scored, and Cowboys won, Mike. But that, for me, was kind of my moment that I was truly into football. That makes it more like the U.S.-Soviet basketball game from 72 when the Russians cheated and won. That's the that's what you should be comparing it to because that's what happened. There's still an asterisk on that game and an official got hit in the head with a whiskey bottle and I have an alibi. I was 10 years old and I was in a different state. Although if I was there and I had a whiskey bottle in my hand, I will admit I would have chucked it at anybody in black and white stripes. That was the low point of my childhood, but I'll say this. If that's the low point of your childhood, it's a pretty damn good, good childhood. Time. If that's the one thing that stands out as the scar on your life, and, and it still does. That's it for today's PFTPM. Have a great evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.